That's rubbish. Do it again. You start. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Week two is done. Some seasons are on the high and some seasons might as well just go. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Are the Vikings the unluckiest 0-2 team? We'll be talking about that, amongst other things. Plus, late comeback wins, they do happen occasionally. And to help us talk about them, including the Ravens, Gordon McGuinness joins us. Gordon, you must have had a very good week too. Had a great week up until now, when I've just discovered that Charles Patterson has cowered out of this discussion after all his crowing through the week he's not here because he knows he's wrong he knows he's been proved wrong shots fired early this week shots fired early uh there you go patterson having your tea isn't a good enough excuse if you're going to put your words up there you gotta come on here and back them up i'm sure charles will be back next week um uh, and we look forward to what he's got to say uh to be honest i'm surprised he didn't want to join us just to talk about how great the green bay packers were seen as aaron jones romped it on monday night football um and unfortunately, in the end, wasn't much of a contest because we've been blessed with the primetime games. Absolutely blessed. Uh, that Monday night one, fine, that's kind of Monday night form. Um, he'd be happy to see the Packers come back. It was a blip against the Saints. The Saints, that was also a blip for the Saints. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. What are your overall week two headlines to kick things off? Well, I, th- I think we've got to pick up on the Packers and Lions. And I, I think actually Charles is to be congratulated. Because, you know, it's fairly classless if all you want to do is go on a podcast and celebrate beating the Lions. Let's be honest. I mean, it's a fairly classless thing to do. Anyway, I mean, in terms of my my week two headlines, I mean, if if we go with the obvious and and start with the quarterbacks, I mean, two is down. Big Ben's doubtful. You know, there are quarterback issues. I think it's a really interesting one in Miami. Kyler Murray deserves a lot of love. I know Cameron thinks he was slightly overhyped, but, I mean, he slung the ball about beautifully. And finally, I told you, boys, that Sam Darnold could be an answer for someone. And he looks like it at the moment. Yeah, I, two things. One, I agree. Sam Darnold, I thought he certainly deserved a chance. And I think he's proven so far he deserved that second chance. I don't think he's looking sensational, but I think he's looking more than functional. Um, and certainly a, a damn sight better than he was at the Jets. And Zach Wilson's just got in there and gone, ah, I'm just going to be like Sam Darnold. So why the <laughs> hell not? Um, coming back to your comment, though, about Murray, because that was our half-truth there. Um, Kyler Murray was sensational. However, what I think... I think the NFL can be guilty of this, where so much credit is given to the quarterback, sometimes more than the player who, in my opinion, has actually done the great work to, to, to set up most of that play. And I think uh, Randall Moore um, was the key player in that play. I think Kyler Murray did brilliantly to wheel away, right? But that's what Kyler Murray does. He wheels away, right? Moore creates amazing separation, gets away from his man. He's in acres of space, so much so that Murray throws a wobbly short pass, which Moore then is able to catch, turn, and then use his pace to get down the field. I think that Kyler Murray was brilliant throughout on that particular play. I don't think that was down to Kyler Murray. I think that was down to brilliant play calling and excellent separation. The, The fact that the receiver was able to see the wobbly pass, know to stop, 
receive it, turn, and then use his pace and break away. I think that's all. 10% on Murray, 90% on the receiver and the play calling. Murray was brilliant. That particular play, Murray, they were raving about him. It was a crap pass. It was wobbly. It was short. Fine, he wheeled away. But he's got tiny little legs and he can run at 100 miles an hour, right? That's what he does. So, yeah, I just felt I just felt that Moore was denied the plaudits there. And I think the play calling more than anything else was what created that exceptional touchdown. He also, he also for as good as Kyler Murray was, and I thought he was good this week, but I thought he was better the week before, he had a horrible, horrible pick six, which it was one of those like indefensible throws. Um and we're gonna when we talk about two and teams later on, I think we'll we'll talk about what Carolina have done uh, what sorry, Arizona have done so far this season. Um I, I I think they look like a team who are slightly better than they were last year. And last year they were a just uh, on the fringes of the playoffs. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they keep moving forward. My my headline is gonna surprise Absolutely no one. It is the Ravens finally beating the Chiefs. Uh, and it, it required balls of stone at the end of the game, uh, but also just common sense. So the Ravens get the get the ball back after you know, both defences really struggled all game. The Ravens in the mid-third quarter all of a sudden just shut down the Chiefs' offence. Fadi Owe, the rookie... Um, forced the poor throw by Patrick Mahomes, um, who really wasn't great against the Ravens at all. Like for for all the talk of when you're saying about Kyler Murray, um, you know the receivers doing the work. Their two long touchdown passes were Byron Pringle and Travis Kelsey just slicing up the Ravens defense um, for huge yards after the catch. So if Adeoye forces the interception by him, then comes back and forces the fumble. Ravens get the ball, can't quite get the first down, but on fourth and one from their own 43-yard line, decide to go for it. They could have, if they hadn't got that yard, the Chiefs are pretty much already in field goal range. But if you punt it, Patrick Mahomes has a minute to drive well, 60 yards, win the game against you. So it, they had to go for that. Um, and their play call, and you know, they, they stuck with the running game a lot more than they've done in previous games against the Chiefs. And finally got that off the back. And I, I spoke about the Browns last week and how important it was for the Browns to just show that they can hang with the Chiefs. And they've done that now two games in a row, which proves where they are. The Ravens, it, all, it felt a little bit different. It felt like they had to prove that they can beat the Chiefs, not not just hang with them, because they'd, they'd been able to stay within a score of them before. Fell behind in the game and still came out on top. And if you look, you know, as the season winds on, the type of confidence that can give them when it gets to the playoffs, you know, any conversation about how this this Ravens passing offense and this Ravens offense can't win a Super Bowl, I'm sure people are still going to say it. But if you can score 36 points against the Chiefs and beat the Chiefs in prime time, you can win a Super Bowl. I thought they looked tremendous. I thought the Jackson threw when he needed to throw. It looked like he had zoned in on his players a little bit better compared to the first week. I think that, obviously, Williams looks as though he's going to be functional in the backfield. Latavius Murray, even Devontae Freeman, there's options there. I hope they continue to go with Williams. I think that that's got more upside to it than leaning on the other two. But Latavius Murray, we know exactly what he can add when you get down to that red zone. And if you're having to deal with 
protecting yourself for a Latavius money run, or it could be Lamar Jackson, or Mark Andrews might just find some separation, or uh, suddenly, actually, that's a different dimension. And that that element, I think, adds uh, an upgrade when you get down to the, the end zone there. It's It was a really strong performance. I thought that the Chiefs still looked good. There was moments there, though, that they made Mahomes do some questionable things. And I think that's down to the pressure that was put on by the defense as well. So a, a, a sensational game. I genuinely touched on this earlier, but the, the primetime games this season have been superb. Um, you know, going back, and we touched on the Thursday night football game when we after we spoke to Kevin Harlan, Paul. But even that game, absolutely thriller, right down to the wire. Um, and and uh, down to a call that, you know, I've been watching people on social media, super slow-mo back and forward as to how offside the, the center was on that one. But... Thrilling game, Giants blew it, um, Washington march on, and it's uh, it's been a, another fascinating whirlwind, crazy weekend in American football. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think the Giants blew that game. Without any doubt, the Giants blew that game and handed it to Washington. I mean, Heineke gets credit for the way that he played. You know, it is their second string uh, quarterback. Barkley doesn't look right yet. And I think that's a concern for the Giants. Uh, Daniel Jones, to be fair, does look good. So w- when we talk, and we will talk about the 0-2 teams, I think there's teams that have got potential still to make the playoffs, and there are teams that are cooked already. Uh, I would put the Giants as still as a bit of potential. I'm not writing them off just yet. Um, the, the other story that came out of, of week two was obviously the Saints getting manhandled by the Panthers. I mean, it wasn't even close. Now, the Saints, as, as you probably know, had a lot of coaches away and unavailable. The Saints are still playing outside of uh, New Orleans, etc., training and practising. And I think this what's interesting, because I'm not making excuses because the Saints deserve to lose, but I think if you ask a lot of NFL people, they'll tell you it's all about consistency and comfort. If you don't have your coaching group with you and it's somebody else that's giving you instructions, you immediately lose that consistency and comfort. Um, and I think that's why we see, we see teams, it's almost metronomic in some, some of the things that they do. And there's a good reason for that. The players like the habits. You start to get out with that structure. Things can go wrong. What I'm going to be interested in, and I hope I don't see it. I don't see it. I hope I don't see another team that's disrupted by COVID as badly as the Saints were on the coaching side. But it will be interesting to see if it happens again, how the team reacts to that. I think they absolutely deserve a pass. Uh, and genuinely, I would love to come in here and stick, you know, you know, I wouldn't hold back. I'd take the opportunity for a cheap shot. But, you know, find Jameis towards the end, through the ball, desperation time. To be honest, I even give him a pass on that. You know, they were honking. But, um, yeah, it's such a strategic game. We get very focused on what we see with our eyes. It's the stuff that happens behind the scenes that allows that stuff to happen in the first place. Uh, and when you've not got the brains on the sideline, you're not going to win a game of chess if you let the PCs decide where they're going to go themselves. And I think that there's a, a lack there of direction that means that when you're up against it, you need someone on the sideline who's able to observe what's happening and find those opportunities. If those people aren't there, you're just not able to do it. The Panthers then suddenly have this massive upgrade and everyone will be picking them up their defense up on fantasy football. And, you know, fine, that might work out brilliantly. Um, but 
yeah, probably will, given the situation that they're going into this weekend. But, um, you know, it, I think the Saints do get a pass on that. The, the lack of receivers is definitely a problem there as well. Um, it, there's not an awful lot of talent for Jameis to throw to. And then, you know, it's so you end up in that situation that the Panthers were in for a while there, where you stop Christian McCaffrey, you stop the Panthers. Well, you stop Alvin Kamara and you stop the Saints. So what the Saints need to do there is find a way to get Kamara the separation without the coaches. They were never going to be able to do that. Massive impact. I yeah, I give them I definitely give them a pass this week. I think it also highlights like how important and however much it was the Saints being good or the Packers laying an egg, that week one win was for the Saints because otherwise this COVID blip or whatever, you know, impacted the loss this week has them own two. And all of a sudden you're then in much more of a hole. Um so I think it you know, you can have things like this happen getting the win the week before made it a lot easier to, to stomach for the Saints, I think. Yep. Uh, for me, obviously, let's touch on the Niners, because I can. There's not really much to touch on other than, once again, injuries have just ruined our running back room. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, it was a hard-fought, labouring victory over the Eagles. Um Got away with a couple of bits and pieces here and there. But do you know what? That front seven still looks really dominant on defense. Jalen Hurts looks an awful lot better than I thought he was going to be, though. Yeah, absolutely. And genuinely is a threat. So whatever he's worked on in the offseason, you know, there's a lot of progress being made there, certainly so far. Um, And we made a a burger bet, Paul, with uh, Tony from Loch Lomond, who's obviously involved, the big Eagles fan, Gordon, you opted out of it because you thought there was a good chance the Eagles might make the playoffs. And actually, we might be, I might be adding someone else to the, my list of beef debt because the Eagles look like they've got something about them this year. And we can see from that division already, the Giants are still the Giants. Uh, Washington are not infallible. Uh, and the Cowboys are the same. So, you know, there's an opportunity there for Philadelphia to come back and and try and take a stranglehold back on that NFC East. You know, the, the Eagles story that, I think it's incredible for me is left or left tackle Jordan Milata, the, the guy who played rugby and the Eagles drafted him in the seventh round. So he hadn't played American football in college. They drafted him in 2018 and brought him along slowly, played about 700 snaps last year. And they gave him like a relatively monster extension, especially for a guy with little experience this off season. Um, so far this season, he, he's looked great. Like, one of the highest graded pass blockers at PFF. He's like an absolute monster of a human being as well. Like six foot eight, 350 pounds, but he can move. He reminds me, the Ravens had a defensive tackle years ago, uh, Aloti Nata, who played rugby in high school, but was an American football player once he got, um, you know, went to Oregon and stuff like that. But for like a big guy who was like 340, 350 pounds, he could motor with the football in his hands and chasing down people. And Jordan Milat is a little bit like that as a as an offensive tackle. He can move in space and he's he's got some athletic chops to him for a guy as big as he is. So a number of interesting things to come out of week two. We all, there's some talking points that we'll come on to later on in some of the teams and positions. I think let's go to the, the awards and the nominations. Uh, and let's use that as the platform to start talking about things. We'll start off with the Bob Ag's Bob Ag of the week. Now, we will get 
of course, our winners picked every week of this season. Thanks to our sponsors at Bob Bags Underwear and Loch Lomond Single Malts. We are giving away a pair of Bob Bags Underwear. We're also giving away uh, an exclusive NFL Scotland Loch Lomond whiskey, bottle of whiskey, and two NFL Scotland Loch Lomond branded whiskey tumblers as well. These are, oh, let me tell you, in demand. So, um, you know, just simply for giving your opinion, you go into the draw. We have a total of 46 people who are eligible. We do have some extra nominations that came in after the deadline. Um, so unfortunately, they cannot go into the draw, but we will share out their opinions because they're still valid. So let's go through some of these. And there's actually quite a variety of people here. So I'll try and cover as many as I can. I'm too many to go through them all. But David Black, his is Trevor Lawrence for throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. Steve, just simply Steve. He says, John Mara for insisting the NFL had a problem with taunting that's led to the stupid rule change and an avalanche of dumb penalties. Stick a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Johnny Bailey, Joseph, the Vikings kicker, missing a key field goal for the win and the Vikings kicking woes continue. Uh, Neil Logan, his is Dexter Lawrence. Je- uh, he just knew I picked the Giants in the NFL Scotland Pick'em League. Chris Mackay, Jason Garrett, single-handedly ruining the Giants. Gillian McLaughlin, the New Orleans Saints. I'm a die-hard, long-suffering Saints fan. To go from destroying the Packers in week one to being beaten by the Panthers, who we've, who we've beaten eight of the last nine meetings, seriously. I'm not going to make the usual excuses a lot of fans make about missing key players. We've got 53 men on the roster. The online line were poor. The defense were poor. The QB was poor. Even Sean Playton's play calling was interesting, especially on third down. It's going to be a long season, but I'm still willing to yell, who that? Yeah, okay. It's fair. It's a fair fan's view. Reese Evans, the Miami Dolphins, for disappointing their home crowd and being the first mammals ever to lay an egg. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Reese. That's the Michael Harris, Greg Joseph, geez, man, can kick from 55 yards but not from 37 to win the game. More Vikings kicking hell. Don't know how much more I can take from the Purples. Philip Spears is Tua. Took a decent hit, didn't come back in, and apparently he's... Uh, not even got an injury, just a bit shaken and sore. Come on, lad, you were the big lads now. Now, two has broken his ribs. So I think that actually, is, well, uh, Phil, we'll give you a pass on that one. We, we might we might need to input a, a rule whereby if you suggest a Bob Ag award for a guy and say that he's not actually hurt and it turns out he's broken his ribs, that automatically makes you the Bob Ag. It bounces back. There you go. A wee special honorary one for you, Philip. Uh, you can enjoy being a Bob Ag for having to go at two because he came back in with broken ribs. Right. Um, so Alex Beaton puts himself because he swapped out Graham Gonneau from his fantasy team only to see him score 21 points. He would have won if he'd done that. Polly touches on the taunting penalties as well. Well done to the NFL and their Bob Agri has united all fans. Well, nearly all. Uh, the media and players in wanting rid of this sh- stupid, bloody new rule. TJ Watt from Lee Hamilton. Don't train with the team or play a preseason game all training camp. Sign a deal to become the highest paid defensive player. Then pull your groin five quarters into the season, most likely due to lack of preparation. An interesting point. Very interesting point from Lee. A couple of others. Paddy Kelly, he's tried Turner. Spitting on your opponent is rotten behaviour. Sadly, he'll get a fine rather than a decent ban. At least his team got pumped. One for Tyreek Hill from William Hill. For shocking fantasy display in week two, three receptions with 14 yards, earning 2.9 fantasy points, which is appalling. Patrick Watson, NFL and Sky Sports. This is an interesting one. The ridiculous situation with the coverage of the Seahawks vs. Titans overtime was suddenly pulled from red zone. And as a result, Sky had no way of showing UK viewers the end of the game. Sky need to be having talks with the NFL to ensure it doesn't happen again. Seems to be a loophole in their current broadcasting agreement. 
That's not on Sky though. Like that's NFL Red Zone stopped. It wasn't like so. I I feel for Sky a little bit in that regard. I do. I feel for them, but also surely there is something you can have a conversation with the NFL, which is like, look, our show runs until one a.m. or our show runs until twelve thirty. If a game runs late, because in America, if a game ends early, we now bring you bonus coverage of another game, Alabama, yeah. you know, South Carolina or something. Yeah, yeah. But you know, NBC, NBC want their Sunday night football. They want it protected. They want that time slot protected. I, I'm I'm with NBC on this. They're the ones that have that in the broadcast deal that it's got to be cut. I'm actually with them on that. They're paying a bucket load of money. However. You know, somebody or a wee phone call, look, this has got two minutes to go, can we show it? You know, I don't think it takes a lot of a lot of effort. Plus, you can you can end Red Zone domestically in the USA. You don't actually have to end it for international viewers. Yep. You know, you could be a little bit smarter about it than that. couple more here. Olivia Ramage gives it to AJ Epinesa for the hit on tour. Uh, Greg Joseph gets one from Ali Gunn. Angus Knox asks one. He says Paul Allen. Uh, on the Vikings radio, so yeah, Vikings radio called the last second field goal as good when it sailed wide. Gutted if you were a Vikings fan listening to that. Any similar experiences, Paul? No. I, the, the closest I came to to a call like that, and you guys will remember the game, Chris Uwilumo for Scotland. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, for people who don't know, ball came across, can't even remember the game now. The ball comes across, Chris Uwilumo, literally a yard out, hits it, now, I know for the fact that Radio Scotland gave it as a goal. I think it was Real Radio at the time gave it as a goal. I paused. I was doing the highlights for BBC, and I paused because I knew there was something was wrong. I just couldn't see the ball in the net. I knew something was wrong. So I, I pulled back on the call, and uh, it turned out to be the right thing. But honestly, I was you know, a split second away from doing what the Vikings guy did. So uh, because you presume that's good. Feel for Paul Allen as well because, like, the press box is on the sideline, and I remember when the Ravens lost the to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game with the Billy Cundiff miss. I couldn't see that it missed from like the sideline corner because it went that side. The only reason I knew it had missed was because however many thousand Patriots fans were all of a sudden celebrating it. Look, I thought it had gone in. Like from that angle, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to tell. Um, and he corrected it pretty quickly. It was and no nobody will be more hacked off than Paul Allen. I can yeah. assure you of that. Nobody will be more hacked off. I thought he got out of it reasonably well. I needed a little bit of a prod, um, <laughs> but you know he got out of it. He's made a mistake. Broadcasters make mistakes. That that's what happens. And people say, how can that happen? I think Gordon's called it exactly right. It's the angle you're looking at. at. Um, the next time it comes to that, you'll just wait a beat. You know, that, that's all they'll do is they'll wait a bit. Different if it's in um, the Viking Stadium because the crowd reaction is positive for the Vikings um, if, you know, if they put it through. So, yeah, he probably, probably should have just left it a little bit, but he'll feel as bad as anybody about it. Yeah, so let's not let's not come find it with giving him the ball back award, but yeah. No. Uh, but also, Paul Mitchell, professional broadcaster, didn't give the Chris Elwumu goal. Um, was it you and Cameron that was commentating for Real Radio that day? Uh, I'm not sure, but I think it may it may have been somebody like that that gave it on the other one. It's just the, there was just something wrong. It just didn't look right. Yeah. Uh, and the luxury of television over radio is you can hold back just that little bit. Well, so that's what I did. Difference between a professional broadcaster and uh, and, and 
Yeah, well, anyway, I let's know. move on. Um, yeah, Fergus know. with uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire for fumbling on the drive. A couple more for Dexter Lawrence from both James Whitson and giant Roddy Piper. A couple for the Miami Dolphins O-line from Stephen Robertson. Uh, and Mark McCune for the F- Miami Dolphin fans who are now pushing for Deshaun Watson to be traded. Doesn't want him anywhere near Miami. Bunch of people for Greg Joseph. Alan Campbell, Grant Campbell, Darren Barry. Who else? Sean Black. Ross Sterling, Charlotte Campbell, Stephen Jap, all of them for Joseph. Uh, Ross Downey gives it to the taunting rule. Sean Breen gives it to Zach Wilson. He threw more passes to New England than he did to his own team. Brackets, obvious exaggeration, uh, but it wasn't far off. I know he's a rookie, but some of the interceptions were ge- weren't just bad reads. Nobody's from his own team was anywhere close. It was not a pretty performance from Zach Wilson. I, I mean, the, the ball bag's obvious for this week. You know, and it's and I and I can't remember the name of the player, but you said it. You can't spit at people. Right. That's just that's that's beyond the pale. You can miss a field goal from thirty-one yards. You can chuck as many interceptions as you like. You know that that's bad play. That's not very good. But to actually spit at somebody, that's ball baggery central. Yeah. I mean, it, it's bad enough any time, but in the times we're living in, to spit at someone is just yeah, like. What are, you, what are you playing at? But I'm surprised no one else has nominated this person. I would not put him ahead of Trey Turner. Patrick Mahomes' little brother, Jackson, oh. is, you know, he's like the, the Juju Smith-Schuster on, <laughs> of players' family on TikTok. He's always posting videos doing dancing and whatnot and all that stuff. Got into it with a Ravens fan who I have no doubt was... Giving it big licks. Yeah, giving it to him tight (laughs) after the Ravens win the game. So he poured water on him. Like, just you're bringing unnecessary attention on yourself, like away from your brother and stuff like that. Just, you know, I've got no issue at all with the dance and stuff. TikTok is something that is so far beyond me that, you know, I don't want to try and get involved in it. If you want to be successful doing that stuff, I don't care. Good for you. Do it in NFL stadiums forever. If your brother's team lose, don't chuck water over people. Yeah, I mean, Cameron will be announcing the NFL Scotland TikTok channel, which he will be displaying <laughs> his complimentary uh, bob ads that will be on. Oh, jeez, so, uh, nobody wants to see Right, okay. It's obviously a subscription <laughs> channel. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, okay, let's, yeah, let's not even put that idea in my head. Yeah, do you know what? Try Turner. You are absolutely the NFL Scotland bob ag of the week. What a ballback. Right, um, on to the Loch Lomond Belter of the Week. Uh, there's actually quite a few nominations here. So, obviously, there's a bunch for Derek Henry. There's a bunch for Aaron Jones. Neil Logan says Graham Gano. He nailed seven kicks out of seven, including a 55-yarder, scoring 17 points. The best player from our broth currently in the NFL. And, I, I mean, there's no arguing with that. Absolutely none whatsoever couple for Lamar Jackson, Jilly McLaughlin. She said, Lamar Jackson, what a game. Loved the way John Harbaugh left the decision to Jackson for the fourth down game-winning drive. Overall performance by him was one of the best I've seen in a long time. Although he had two early interceptions, his work rate afterwards was phenomenal, not just throwing but running the ball himself as well. Andrew Hawkins gets one from Reese Evans for his hilarious non-celebration in the end zone after his touchdown, mocking the recent taunting rule by the league. Taunting by not taunting which is uh, a new twist. I'm sure they'd find a way to flag it. Tom Brady says, Polly, leading the Bucks to a record nine straight wins, scoring 30-plus points and beating the previous record of eight wins held jointly by the Tom Brady-led Patriots. Nine touchdowns, nine touchdown passes in the first two games of the season and 
three, he needs to throw 14 more touchdowns to have thrown more touchdowns in his 40s than he did in his 20s. I'm sure Charles Parson will be wishing him well in that feat. Uh, a couple for Derek Carr. Lee Hamilton, Paddy Kelly. Derek Carr played absolutely tremendous. Obviously, there's a bunch for Aaron Jones as well. Um, one for Paul Mitchell. <sighs> I'm loath to read this out. Mm. Paul has been getting some stick in recent pods for not showing enough faith in Jameis Winston. Sunday showed why Paul is right to be hesitant. We've seen enough of Winston to see he's not. He's not hesitant. He's outright against him. That's not <laughs> hesitancy. If he was hesitant, we would not slag him off as much as we do. I, I, I accept the nomination gratefully for the honour of of it all. Thank you. But he's, he's wraps up with saying the, the first two weeks have summed Whitston up perfectly to a T. He's either brilliant or he's terrible. Bill Belichick gets one from Ali Gunn. He continued, his continued mastery over teams with rookie quarterbacks shows his life in the old dog yet, although it definitely helps when that quarterback's just giving you the ball all the time. Uh, Nick Gates gets one, snapped his leg, laughed and waved to the crowd from the car, up walking in hospital the next day. What a madman. Um... Derek Henry, uh, Kyler Murray, Mark McCune says, what a start to the season for him. Uh, Mike Edwards gets one from Darren Barry. Belter just to get one pick six in a match, but to pick up two is something a bit special. Um, Cooper Cup gets one from Sean Black. Unbelievable start to the season. Another 100 yard and a touchdown game, plus his fantasy numbers are the only thing keeping me going. Sam Darnold gets one from Chris Breen. Said before the season he would fit right in at the Panthers, and this week they go 2 0, beating the Saints with his replacement at the Jets, who threw four balls straight to the Patriots. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the theme. Loads for Jackson, loads for Derek Henry, loads for Aaron Rodgers, but there's a lot for Derek Carr. Uh, you know, Paul Marnie comes in, leads his team to 2-0 with a big win over another AFC North pre-fee, uh, pre-game favourite opponent, follows his 435-yard Week 1 performance with another 382 through the air in Week 2. Even when picking up a knock, the guy is legit. Full, fully reserved the right to change my mind on this when he stinks it up next week at home to Miami. Um, but yeah, two wins against the odds to start the season 2-0. We're going to talk about who are the best you know, some of the best and worst 2-0 teams and what have you. But Derek Carr is in that conversation. So I, I think Carr's a fair shout. Much as I would love to say, I think Lamar Jackson's a fair shout. The the two interceptions early, the first one, the pick six isn't his fault. Uh, Sammy Watkins falls down, so I'll forgive him that. He followed it up, though, with a horrible interception when the Ravens were in field goal range, where he threw into triple coverage. Um and, you know, two Chiefs players were in better position to intercept the ball than the Ravens player was to receive it. I, I like the call for Mike Edwards, though, the, the the Buccaneers defensive back, purely because it allows me to break out my favourite early season stat so far this year. Touchdowns on Matt Ryan passes this year. Cordrell Patterson, one. Calvin Ridley, one. Mike Edwards, two. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is Mike Edwards he's, he's doing something that people don't normally do I'm, I'm with you Derek Carr would have been my choice of the quarterbacks but yeah Mike Edwards two picks can't argue that oh really over Henry and Rod I suppose oh, against, yeah, yeah. so Aaron Rodgers is the first Aaron Rodgers Aaron Jones is the first Green Bay running back in history to score three receiving touchdowns and a running touchdown in the same game yeah, with, with the asterisks. Lions. <laughs> Sorry, and does Derek I mean, Henry get an asterisk because it's the Seahawks' defence and the referees were working against him? 
No, but we we expect that from from Derek Henry. Uh, you know, I think I mean I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the nomination. He does, but two picks in those circumstances, Mike Edwards for me. Hey, I'm a Saints fan. I'm trying to give it to somebody from Tampa Bay. For <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. You know. um, Gordon, are you in agreement? Is Mike Edwards? I like it. Okay, well, I mean, the majority is going to win it. So um, congratulations to Mike Edwards. Let's raise a dram. You are Loch Lomond Whiskey Belter of the Week. So moving on, and by the way, I touched on the, the, the Seahawks and the referees. That was a safety at the end of the game. The United Kingdom wasn't watching because Sky cut it off. That was a safety. It was. That was it a was. shambles. But anyway. Yes. Maybe, maybe. That was you. So you almost earned a ball bag nomination, though. For my ranting. In the WhatsApp group, but but it was so I'm in a WhatsApp group for for Cameron in a fantasy football league, and he was very upset about the Julio Jones no call on the touchdown pass. I think it was the right call, so I think that was fair. Safety was absolutely the wrong call. Yes, and that's just the NFL though. They've had there was another game this week, and I can't remember. Even the Chargers, where they ruled a sack on a play where Justin Herbert still tried to throw it. Like what? Yeah, that made no sense whatsoever. So the NFL have. Had a couple of blunders this week. Yes, they have had a couple of blunders. And something that obviously came up quite a lot in that conversation was the chat around the taunting penalties. So, first of all, I'm going to say that there's a lot of people saying the new rule. It's worth pointing out, this isn't a new rule. This is a focus on an existing rule or a cracking down on an existing rule that wasn't really applied all that often really on in very over-the-top cases where somebody was quite aggressive and blatantly taunting in somebody's face in an aggressive manner. What? So it's not a new rule, first of all. It is an existing rule that they're cracking down on. By the by, it's new because it feels new because we're seeing a lot more of it. Um, and this is something, obviously, that people are very much against. And I can understand it. But it's a rule. And the teams have been made aware of this rule. And in, I think there's a, there's a bit of an over-the-top reaction for me. And I know, before I get into this, right, I know I'm on the edge and I know I'm on the outside of the majority. There's a lot of noise about, oh, they want them to be robots. Oh, they're taking out all the fun. Nobody can celebrate at all. We can't do anything now. What am I supposed to do? Just play, walk back to the line and go again. And nobody's saying that. What they're saying is, do not taunt a player in their face. Don't go up to an opposition player and flex in their face. Don't go up to them, square up to them, and trash talk them to their face. There's nothing to stop you trash talking or mouthing off and being audible and flapping your arms around and flexing towards the crowd who are there to actually see you and support you. I, I get it. I, I don't want this rule, but I'm not. Suck it up and get on with it. Suck it up and get on with it. <laughs> Right, Cameron, let's be honest. The rule's not the problem, is it? I mean, VAR in, in football is not the problem. It's the application of VAR that's the problem. And the rule isn't necessarily the problem. Now, would I have it? Well, I would have it in some way, but I would word it a heck of a lot differently. But I have to tell you, nothing offence, because I know this, and Gordon won't, won't say this, but I'm going to say it on Gordon's behalf. There's nothing that offends Gordon more than somebody spinning a football at him. You know, they put the football on the ground and they spin it. I mean, it drives Gordon nuts, you know. I mean, because it, it's so offensive <laughs> in its in its way of doing things. You know, you take this 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 pigskin bladder, you've done something brilliantly, and you spin it on the ground like a top. I mean, how arrogant can you be? I mean, 
we have got to get there. Spirit football is not. I mean, you, was it Keenan Allen's? Look at Keenan Allen. Look at um, the Houston, the guy Jordan Aikens. You know, yeah, he's, he's spun the ball. Yeah. I mean, come on, who's that offending? That that, that is ridiculousness, and that is over officious referees trying to please the bosses upstairs so they get a tick on their sheet so they can get in a better game so they can get a chance at the playoffs. The rule in spirit, I mean, you can't go up to somebody and absolutely give them, you know, what's for. Uh, that's fine. But come on. I mean, they don't want robots. I don't, I, don't, no. I think that is an overreaction. The no fun police are, are certainly in town at the moment. You know, we're not suggesting that you, you hide a phone in the, in, in the post and you come out and you bring it out and you make the call. We've, we've had all of that. We've done that. But this is a game in which you should celebrate your achievements and spinning a ball or yelling at somebody's sideline is not, it's not worth 15 yards. Now, I, I said in our chat, if you're going to penalise it, you can't. I mean, we saw one of them, you know, somebody made a defensive stop, you know, so the other team's going to punt. And then all of a sudden you get done for 15 yards and they get a first down. No, throw that guy out if you want, but don't take away from the play. It's it's outside influences now are influencing the actual play of the game. And that's wrong. Just, I don't know of anyone who coming into the NFL this season was of the opinion that there was too much taunting and it was a problem in the NFL. So at that point, why do you need to emphasise the rule? There was no, there was no issue. One of the things, so Ian Stephen is on this podcast as well. He said in our group chat, the point in having taunting penalties is to prevent fights from breaking out. The NFL does not have a fighting problem. There are occasional skirmishes. It's not something that's prevalent in football. So where is the need to emphasise the, the taunting call? And, and the things they called this week were all so stupid little things. The Seahawks won. Like, it's not like he's screamed in the guy's face. He's turned and he celebrated in his day. At his face. No, 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 no. He turned, he made an effort to turn to the player and flexed. But, but no, but that's fine, though. That, there, in, my, in my opinion, there should be nothing wrong with But any kind of thing. So, so hang on. Well, on that one in particular, right. He's got 360 degrees. There is probably 90 degrees where that player is in view. He can flex all he wants. He can turn his back and flex to his fans who cheer him on because he's just made a great play. He can flex to no, his sideline. There's not a single. There's not a single. Face? There's not a single other person in that stadium who he just made a play on. But why do you need to flex to the player you've played on? You're flexing because, to your you're because players, your players, players jaw each other the whole game. Uh, yeah, they you don't do. need flex for the crowd. No, like celebrate wins crowd. like that. And again, the only here's here's the only here's the only taunt that I would flag, apart from obvious flagrant things. If you you know slam the ball down or something like that, you know in front of someone's um, like front of someone's face or all those things, the taunting penalty I would give someone, I'd make it like a fifty yard penalty and suspend you for eight games. <laughs> is when a cornerback celebrates. When a receiver drops a pass, yeah. that you've done nothing to deserve to be able to taunt at that point. Yeah. Punish that. Yeah. If you force an incompletion or you score a touchdown on someone, let, like it's just it's not a problem in the NFL. No, no I, one, so, no one was asking for this change. Yes, and I agree with that. Right, I totally agree with that. It won't. I don't think it was a problem. I don't think it needed to be done. But they're trying to they're trying to bring respect into the game. The one I think the play, and I've seen a few people say this, and I can't remember who did it. But the in the Super Bowl, the player that went up to Tyreek Hill and did his own yeah. celebration in front of his face, yeah. right? 
in the Super Bowl on the grand scheme, the champions of the champions, disrespectful as where they're coming from, right? They're like, we don't. But like that to was see amazing. That. that was one of the moments of a see, of a boring Super Bowl. It was a boring Super Bowl. I didn't value that moment. I don't mind if that doesn't happen. Loved it. I, I'm like, fine. And it is a bit of noising up, and I get it. I get it. I don't. I'm not offended by any of it. That's the thing. To your point, Paul, I'm not offended by someone spinning the ball. I'm not offended by any of the taunting. If anything, I love getting riled up, right? And again, Gordon, you got my Seahawks get favoritism from the referees at home riled up view. I love it. And that's why I love the NFL. But at the same time, I don't care enough about this for it to be a problem. And it's a simple thing to fix. Just don't flex in someone's face. Just don't flex. Just don't do it in his face. It's also also a simple thing to fix by not calling things that are really ticky-tacky. And that's what they're doing. They're just trying to cut it down. And I think hopefully if this becomes a thing, it'll become less common and then it becomes less of a thing. It's a, They are trying to control it. It's a control thing. So I, I would bet money. <laughs> let, let us let Paul come in and then I'll, yeah. I'll finish off. The voice of reason will come in <laughs> and, and, settle, and settle this dispute. Voice of treason, um, if you don't agree with me. Uh, you, you, you both made good points, but I'm with Gordon. You don't want me to flex... You stop me from doing the play. Simple as that. That's what you're out there to play for. Now, what we're talking about, when you talk about respect in a game, you know, they shake hands afterwards, you know, they're, they're all there. That's where the respect comes in. But this is a professional game where there's a lot of money at stake. You know, if, if we are looking for morals and ethics um, for people during an NFL game, you're coming to the wrong place. You know, you want your morals and ethics, get your parents to teach you how to live properly because that's part of the problem with society, but we'll save that for the, the Morals and Ethics podcast, <laughs> as they say. I'll take um, 10 minutes, that one. <laughs> yeah, well, t- take a while. So I see nothing wrong with flexing. Now, if somebody then makes a play on you and they do that back to you, stand there like a man and take it. Don't, exactly. Don't be a baby about it. Just stand there and take it. And that in itself is actually a lesson. Don't give out what you can't receive back. And let's just do away, Gordon said it, let's do away all this ticky-tacky stuff. We've talked about it before. It's a game played by big boys who know what they're doing, who jaw with each other constantly. This is tacky. Now, if you go out your way to try and stick it to somebody, running up to them, you know, exaggerating the celebration or whatever, but nothing we saw this week, and I mean nothing, deserved to be flagged. Yep. The final point I'm going to make is I'll tell you exactly how this is going to play out. And I'll be stunned if it's not how what happens. We'll get another two to three weeks of stupid calls. And then the NFL will stop calling quite as many of them. And you'll get maybe one a week for a little while. And then eventually it'll only be things that are absolutely egregious. It's the, it's the way the NFL have done stuff before. They, oh, we're going to emphasize defensive holding. We're going to defend, We're going to emphasize defensive pass interference, all these things. Starts out. People get angry at it, and the NFL dials it back. And that's exactly what they're going to do this time. I wouldn't be surprised to see that outcome. I think for me, it's a it's it's a cracking down on a rule that nobody cares enough about to see it, and they see it as ruining the game because it adds disruption and penalties. I liken this to Scottish football uh, when we implemented a rule that if you lift your shirt off after a goal, you will receive a yellow card. And then everyone was like, how long before we see a player sent off for celebrating a goal? This is ridiculous. And now it's just accepted. You cannot take your shirt off. And sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes you're willing to do it because that celebration is 100% worth it. And that's not offensive to anybody. That's not aggressive to anybody. 
But it was a rule that was implemented around respect, and it was a rule that was implemented because for some reason it was seen as inciting a riot, which is that's Scottish football and a whole other thing. And I think that if you take any other sport into consideration where there is contact and tackling, so rugby or even football, if a centre-half tackled a striker who was just about to put the ball in the back of the net and they stood over them and celebrated by pumping their fists, they would be booked for that. Uh, that is unsportsmanlike conduct and it would be a foul. If you saw it in rugby, you wouldn't see it in rugby, um, you saw a player put in a great tackle on a winger, absolutely smash the boy, then get up and pump fist or flex in front of him, that player, I think, Paul, would receive a yellow card for that. And I think that this is about, it's not about offence, it's about sportsmanlike conduct and about setting an example. And I get it, I get the edgy thing because I love that about the NFL. I just feel like this is them trying to level set and reel it back in a little bit and they'll do this for a while and see if it works. And if it does, it'll go away. But but they're trying to reel in a problem that doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, I think that's, but... that, that, that's the overall issue. And I'm sorry, yeah, we've got to take in, into account culture as well. Culturally, football has never done that. Soccer, I mean, and, you know, rugby as well. There is this in American football. It does add a little edge to it. See, Nobody tends to get hurt was this out a of thing it. In the 80s, and I think though? we should... Like, yeah, we've we seen this. Yeah, yes, you've seen this before. I mean, Dion Sanders is often like Dion, no, no, like but that. celebration but, and well, dancing and stuff. Fine, I don't remember yes. taunting. I don't remember yes. in the face taunting like this. And it's not taunting. It's celebrating. It's celebrating. No, 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 no it's not. It's not. No, 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 no there's a difference. And I this don't is the, see right. that. This no, is I a don't difference. see that. It's taunting. I'm sorry. You're celebrating in somebody's face. If you're doing it in somebody's... It's, so if you, so this is the thing for me. The player that's just tackled you, if you turn your back to that player and you flex, that isn't taunting. You look them in the eye and you flex, it's taunting. Okay. What's the most... What Arguably the most iconic sporting image of all time is Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. It's boxing. That's not the same. In <laughs> any sport, like, that's, is, is that taunting? Like he's standing over him. That, it's this, not the same sport. Idea. Boxing and American football. Is not the same. You've just compared it to football. No, 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 no. Right, okay, right. Because we're talking about. I, I, you know, I kind of thought you might bring this one up, and I've been thinking about how can I challenge the bloody. Because you can. Because you can. It's well, I can sport. tell you. I can tell you. Baseball's going the other way. The unwritten rule of baseball is when you hit a home run, you don't bat flip. And you, you run around the bases as if, you know, somebody scalped your arse. You know, it's it's not, you know, now they realise that actually that's part of the entertainment. Yeah, you know, and I agree you with hit that. It, like, you bat different. flipping, you got Absolutely, round. Absolutely, that's so, a celebration. There's an, en- there's an entertainment angle as well. And I think they're cracking down on something that doesn't need to be cracked down on. I think what, how we can end this is by saying all three of us know when something is absolute taunting that is out of order. And that's what's going to be flat. Yeah, and I think they've they've gone over the top with it to try and reel it back. And I hope that they'll ease off on it. I do. Because there, some of them are borderline, right? The subtle movements and you're like, oh, come on. But, yeah. I just think they know they will just turn around and do it just not in the face of the person. You don't need, you just don't need to be better. And the other thing be is, you could that. have a... You could have a quiet word with a guy as well, rather than throwing a flag and saying, "Look, actually, yeah. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt." You get away with one, don't unless do it's it again. egregious. But yeah, 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 I'm going to flag you. Yeah. You know, but again, it's ticking, ticking boxes for the referees. If they're being told, they will call it. They'll call it over the top, and these are the ones that will go on and up. Yes, indeed. Anyway, I know I'm on the edge on this one, and I know I expect a lot of abuse that I'm an idiot, but it's fine. I just, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, on to. 
the two and zero and two teams, and let's have a review of a couple of conversations in relating to that. First of all, let's look at the zero and two and your seasons through. Who are the teams that we're already almost going to be sticking a pin in? Who are the own two teams that show very little signs of life and the ones that we're thinking, do you know what, this is going to be a long 2021 for the, for you guys? Who's well, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, seven, seven I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Seven. And I think, yep. I think there's three at least that are done. Okay. Jacksonville, the Jets, yep. and the Lions. Okay. Right. I can, stick, I can, stick, stick the Falcons on that list as well. Well, well so well. so the only reason the Falcons are not on my list this week is because I think whoever loses out of Atlanta and New York this week, New York Giants, okay. is on that list, is done. So they, they've got one opportunity to, to avoid that list. But, I mean, me and Cameron have a burger bet on Zach Wilson winning double the number of games of, uh, that Trevor Lawrence does. Could be 1-0. One, one <laughs> Neither one of us should feel good about that bet at this point in time because both quarterbacks have been terrible. Both teams have been terrible. Yeah, they're they're bad. Yeah, they are bad. I I I don't disagree with any of those. I think the Giants get a little bit of a pass because although they're zero and two, they're only one win off the top. Um, you know, it's one of those ones. The Lions. It's funny. Like the Lions against the Niners showed life. The Lions in the first half against the Packers showed life. Second half. So the first half of the 49ers game, in fact, the first three quarters of the game against the 49ers, there's not a lot to love about the Lions. The the second two quarters and the second half against the Packers, not a lot to love there at all. Little signs of life, but yeah, there's just a, mm, a, a long and, season uh, for them. And Cameron, before we get accused of being anti-Lions, I would love yeah. to see the Lions do well. Yeah. Just, you know, there are teams that you think, oh, please, just have a good season and, you know, impress your fans and things like that. But, yeah, I would love to see it, but but it ain't going to happen. I for, one, like I, for one, hope the Lions go 14-3, and three, lose this week, and then win every other game. Great. <laughs> the Ravens wouldn't be coming to town, would they? <laughs> um, I think in terms of, you know, teams that I'm surprised at, I mean, the Vikings started on the road. They could arguably be 2-0. and I don't think there's any debate about that. So I think the Vikings still have a, have a chance. They've now got a couple of home games. The Giants, should they beat the Falcons, might be on the path to redemption. I have no idea, and I'll be really interested in both of you guys' thoughts, I have no idea what to make of the Colts whatsoever. Trust Carson Wentz. Yeah, and he's injured. He's injured yep. as well. So what's that going to be? There's no backup there. You saw <laughs> Jalen Ramsey right away going, oh, so you're the, the, the next big thing coming through in Indianapolis. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> you know, that's pretty much how that one went. Um, it's, yeah, there's a lot to worry about with the Colts there. It could, it could be a long season for them. I think there's enough about them to get some wins. I don't think they're going to be, you know, I still don't think they're going to be less than four wins, but... Uh, I don't know that they're going to be in any kind of conversation. The the benefit that they've got is that division's just rotten. So they get two games against the Jags and they get two games against the Texans, whilst who've shown life, Tyrod Taylor was a big part of that, and he's now on injured reserve for a while. So Davis Mills is in at the deep end, so let's find out if he's the uh, worth the first pick in the 2021 NFL draft for the Texans. Woo-hoo-hoo! Yeah, I mean, I've... I've... <laughs> I've got a soft spot for the Colts. Uh, as you know, I got one of these salute to service Colts jerseys for Andrew Luck, which is the camouflage jersey. And rather I- ironically, I can't find it. Um, <laughs> hey ho! <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. 
So the other conversation here is there's obviously some very good two and O teams, but what, what was your phrasing of this one, Gordon? Is it two and O, but a long way to go? That was, that was exactly it. Yeah. So who are your two and O, but a long way to go? So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven two and O teams. Naturally, matches up quite well with the one two teams. <laughs> yeah. Of of those, I actually think there's more that are questionable than there are certain. I think the Raiders, the Broncos, the Cardinals, and the Panthers are all like I, if someone asked you to put down a hundred pounds on them on each of those teams making the playoffs, how confident would you be in getting another hundred pounds back on that? So I would I don't, put my money on the Cardinals based on yep. what I've seen. I wouldn't put my money on the Broncos. Yep. Um, would I put it on the Raiders? Ugh. I don't know. Derek Carr is playing really well. There's a lot of talent there. And actually, I think done defensively... That before, though. He has. I think defensively, they look pretty good. I think the Raiders... I'm going to... I'm going to pause on the Raiders. I'm not committing to that one yet. Panthers. No, I'm not putting money on the Panthers. I'm not. That might come back to bite uh, me on the butt. And they're going to be three and zero, and I'm not going to have any faith yeah. in them because yeah. they're not losing the Texans. <laughs> no, no, no. You you wouldn't have thought so. Uh, I've got. I think the Cards are safe. I think the Bucks are safe. And as much as people know I dislike them, I think the Rams are safe. Um, I, I'm. I've got the list of the Broncos, the Raiders, the Panthers. And I think the 49ers need to be on that list as well. I, I'm really intrigued to see the 49ers this week because yes, this so is much. this is a big this is a big shout to. To you know, stand up and say no. Actually, we're a we're an NFC contender. Yes, yeah. I I agree. I've not I've seen good and ugly stuff out of them so far, um, and I I mean the injuries to the running back team is definitely an issue. Losing Mostar is a problem, uh, and Mitchell's banged up. Jamichael Hasty's banged up. Saruman fumbled and took a nasty head knock on his first play. <laughs> And the run game is so significant and important in San Francisco. Now, here's the worry. Um, before we get too deep into this, they start chucking Trey Lance into that and he starts running around and get injured as well. I really hope we re- hold back on that one. Um, but I think the, the Niners are right to be in that conversation for sure. Absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see how all that pans out. Um, we will get to our award competition winners. We'll also touch on our uh, Bonnie Sauce Company... Uh, Pick'em competition for the NFL Pick King or Queen of Scotland and do a wee update on that. But before we get there, what's, what are you looking forward to in week three? I think there's a lot to look forward to in week three. So if you if you look at the the late games, Monday Night Football, Eagles, Cowboys, well, you know, you can take as many storylines out of that as you want. Uh, Packers 49ers is, is a great game. Uh, it's just a shame I'll be asleep and so will you because I'd be sending you ridiculous amounts of taunts or well I would just be pointing things out but you'd class them as taunts and yeah. about 15 yards um, you know so um, you know the Bucks Rams you know if, if you know that that looks pretty decent I have to say you know the two two row teams going head to head and if you if you want a, a yardstick game out of all the games this week uh, I actually think there are, there are two for me one is the Raiders need to knock off the Dolphins Without any fuss, and this is not, I'm not being, you know, anti-Dolphin here. Um, this is the kind of game, if the Raiders are serious, haven't got themselves into 2-0, they need to knock themselves off. And 
I think it's a big it's a big one for the Vikings. They have to win at home against the Seahawks, or I think they can start to just be added to that cooked pile. It's a big one for the Seahawks as well. Like having just given up so many yards to Derrick Henry, we can you can kind of forgive them that for how good Derrick Henry is. If they do it to Dalvin Cook again, then there's a run protection problem. Run protection, run defense problem. Um and I think that there's only so much that you can there's only so much flinging of the ball Russell Wilson can do and get them out of trouble. He once again was brilliant. Tyler Lockett, jeez. I mean, but this is how the Seahawks start every season, isn't it? Um, and it is a tough game. It's a tough game. And they lose that, having the Vikings just lost just to the Cardinals. That's where the yardstick element comes in for me. Yeah. For me, the the game, the, I think it's the two big NFC games, Green Bay, San Francisco, but also Tampa Bay and the Rams. And that's the one on Sky. And I'm looking forward to that being how I spend the, the latter parts of my Sunday evening. Brady has made the Bucks instantly box office. I know they won a Super Bowl. He's been there over a year now, but they are must-see TV. The offense just puts up points for fun. But Matt Stafford in that Rams offense is taking them a level beyond what we'd seen from Jared Goff. Now, is that going to translate into the playoffs? Is it going to translate into Super Bowl? I, I'm not going to go that far yet. But through a couple of weeks, they look significantly better. Look, they can move the ball a lot better. Cooper Cup is on pace to lead the NFL in receiving uh, receptions and yards, I think. Just a, a, a very fun team to watch play, so I think that's going to be great. I actually think the Chiefs-Chargers is interesting as well, to see what that Chiefs hangover looks like. You know, there's been a lot made about the fact that Mahomes had never lost in September. Well, he has now, so does he lose twice? Uh, is there enough about the Chargers to show? You know, can Justin Herbert come into Kansas City and and sling it around? I feel like they've had two tough games to start the season against Washington, um, a very tough defense, uh, and then against the Cowboys where they were, yeah, there was a lot of questionable calls there. But we actually saw that the Cowboys defense had a little something about them. Brady wasn't absolutely seamless in that game. I think that against the Chiefs, they've got an opportunity to maybe throw the ball around a little bit more. And the Chargers' defense is, is fit and healthy at the moment. So can they actually close down um, Mahomes and, and put pressure on him? So I think there's a lot to see out of that. And, and I'm really interested to see if that one pans out. It also feels really rare to get a game in the one o'clock slot that's like the, an AFC West versus an AFC West team. Yeah, like, that's not that's that's cannot happen very often. Okay, so um, as everyone's just sit there looking at the schedule, <laughs> as I'm asking <laughs> questions. That's fine. That's fine. I think that's probably the point where we decide that we'll uh, start to wrap up for this week. But before we do that, we need to give away our competition winners. So as we touched on there, we do have a number of submissions this week. The numbers to pick are one through forty-six. So, Paul, I'm going to get you to pick out yep. the ball bag. I'm, I'm going to pick both, Cameron, okay, oh. because I'm like that, okay? Fine. And I'm sure Gordon won't mind. So, because I've picked that Sam Darnold is going to be an excellent, excellent quarterback, we're going to pick the score from that particular game. So, our Loch Lomond Malks winner will be 26, and our ball bags winner for the Saints will be 7. So okay. there you go. That's what I've picked this week. So you like that? I mean, it's linking it to games and everything. It's almost seamless. It's almost like I planned that or something like that. You know? So there you go. Okay. 
that means uh, 26, the Loch Lomond whiskey winner, the NFL Scotland bottle of whiskey with the tumblers, is Mark McEwen. Congratulations. And that second number was number seven. So the ball bags, ball bag winner is Bill Whelan. So congratulations to you, Bill. Mark, you get a bottle of whiskey and two tumblers. Bill, you get a cracking pair of ball bags boxer shorts. So we cannot say better than that. Thank you to everybody who took part in the nominations. It's a great opportunity to win these prizes. We're doing it every single week of the regular season and the postseason. Make sure you get your nominations in by 7 o'clock on the Tuesday, every single week of the season, uh, for your chance to win. You need to get it in by 7 o'clock to be in the draw. So we're doing it every single week. All you need to do is look out on Twitter, or you can go to nflscotland.com, check out the website. Paul will tell you more about this at the end, because he always does, because he loves reading all the articles. But on there, there's a link that's like, uh, I think it says vote nominations or something like that um go on there and you can uh, enter that anytime you want get your name in get your suggestions in we love reading them out i think it's brilliant it's brilliant to hear what scottish nfl fans think about the game uh, and then the only other thing to do is to give a quick update then on uh, the bonnie sauce nfl scotland pick king or queen of scotland competition and you commented that his answer was great earlier but reese evans is sitting out in top as well uh, in the Pickham, 23-9 and nine record so far this season. That's impressive. A couple of people sitting there in second place. Now, this is where I always struggle with the names. Akulinox, 22-10. and 10. Juju's Dance Studio, 22-10. and 10. The Dumfries Demons, Smells Like Cheese Spirit, and Mark Bavaro's Disco Pants. All of them 22-10. and 10. Then there's uh, JCC Does It is 21-10. and 10. Obviously forgot to make a pick at some point. <laughs> so gets ahead of the 21 and 11s because he's got one less wrong. Bunch of people with 21 and 11, including uh, Jerry Bowlers, who uh, was the second pick king of Scotland and the pick king of Scotland, who won it last year uh, at 21 and 11. So there you go. None of us in the podcast sitting in that first page of picks. I think the best performing podcast member is actually Charles Partison. It is with twenty-two and twelve. Sorry, twenty and twelve. Would have really would have really helped if I'd actually filled in my picks before the final two games this week. However, I did get them right. <laughs> it would, it would, but um, plenty of time to catch up. Charles in its uh, joint seventeenth with twenty and twelve. I'm in joint forty-third with nineteen and thirteen. Long way to go in this one, though. Long way to go. Make sure you make your picks. Great prizes available. Many thanks to all of the sponsors. To Loch Lomond, Single Malt, to Ball Bags Underwear, to the Bonnie Sauce Company for taking part uh, and helping us give away some amazing prizes. But I think that's the full-time whistle for episode 162. Thank you for taking the time to listen. As ever, share your thoughts uh, on our nominations, but share it on social media anytime, um, at Scotland NFL on Twitter, or search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Yeah, if you see anything great during the games on a Sunday, do tag in NFL Scotland on Twitter. We're always around watching the games and ready to react to anything at all. Uh, our thanks to Gordon for coming on the podcast this week. Our thanks to Charles Patterson for at least thinking about it, but hey, he'll come <laughs> on at some point. And uh, we really hope you enjoy your week three action. Do check out NFL Scotland's website with that form nomination to win one of these fantastic prizes for Gordon, for Cameron and myself. Bye for now.
and Paul, just a wee bit for anyone at the end, um, we just need to touch on this again. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to our conversation with Kevin Harlan. Episode 161. You've done well to make it through this podcast with us driveling pish, right? Go and listen to Kevin Harlan because he is one of the best sports broadcasters, I think, in the world. And he talks so well. It's such an interesting conversation.